Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. So I want to wrap up a series we've been doing called Intersections. How many enjoyed Jamie Engelhart last week? Wasn't that good? Jamie's just such a, I said it before, he's really been a mentor in my life over the last several years and really helped me to continue this journey of growth because sometimes it does get scary when you, when you maybe you're reading something and Holy Spirit's showing you, you're like, wait, but that's not the way I've always seen it or believed it. It kind of can get scary sometimes because you don't want to go the wrong way. But how many know this, that in life we have to grow? We, we, we're supposed to grow in the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so sometimes in doing so, we, we grow to these places that it might be a little uncomfortable, but let me just clue you in on something. That's called walking by faith. If we know everything and it all feels normal and it feels good, well, maybe it's not faith. Maybe it's just what we do. And so I believe there's times where we have to grow outside of that box and it's a little uncomfortable. And so Jamie really has helped me a lot in that. So I'm glad that you guys enjoyed him. And we have him in at least once a year. I actually talked to him about possibly doing, see, he used to live in Michigan. And when he did, we would do Wednesday nights where he'd come for four Wednesdays in a row and do a series. And it was really cool. But we thought about maybe doing uh, when he comes up this next time or another time where we do a full Saturday where we, it's just a full Saturday. Uh, Maybe we break for lunch or something, but he just comes in and ministers like something that's not just 30 minutes or 40 minutes or something like that. And then have him in on a Sunday as well. Uh, been, been talking to a lot of different speakers who haven't been here in a while about coming in and doing some different things like that on a Friday, Saturday. So there's a lot of things in the works, I guess, but I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I just want to let you know that, listen, we're still going, you guys. We still believe in this ministry and we're so glad that you're here with us, but we're going to continue and really just wrap up today in this, this, uh, series called intersections, say intersections. And so we've been looking at these ways that, you know, sometimes in the church, I don't think it's on purpose, but we almost get this feeling like I have to make sure everything looks good on the outside before I walk in those doors. And so if someone says, how you doing? You know, we got, I'm doing great. I'm blessed and highly favored. And that's awesome. I mean, sometimes that's a straight face statement. I understand that. Um, But we have to have relationship with people where we can just be open. We can be vulnerable with people and say, honestly, it's not going real well right now. See, that's not lack of faith. That's being honest. And so it's in those moments that we can share those moments. What do the scriptures tell us? You know, to confess your faults to one another so healing may come. And so it's not that you just open the door and talk to anyone there. It's about developing relationships with people that you can confide in and you can trust. But maybe you're someone who says, I don't have that person I can trust. Well, you do. It's Holy Spirit. It's your Heavenly Father. And so what we've been looking at is when we go through hurt and loss, we go through things in life that, that really, maybe even betrayal, things like that, what do we do? We first of all have to see that in the backdrop of the series and then even of life that God really cares about our hurts. He cares about our loss. He, he cares about that betrayal, that thing that has happened to you. Not only that, as the healer, he wants to heal those hurts in our lives. It's not just some great big God way up in the sky somewhere you know, in heaven, this throne room who is like, yeah, I'm a little bit busy right now. It's a great big God who in him we live, move, and have our being. So literally, it's like not even a phone call away. It's like, there you are. You're here with me. And so it's, first of all, not just awakening to that, but realizing he cares about my hurts. And we talk about this a lot. It's about every single week out of Romans 12 too, that we are changed by our thinking, Right? So it's that renewing of the mind that transforms us. And so it's in those moments that God's truth begins to set us us free. How many know that the truth is not just about truth, it's knowing the truth. And so it's in these moments that we begin to know the truth, it begins to set us free. And so we all go through moments maybe where we don't feel like we measure up. What do we do in those moments? We remind ourselves that God says that we're adequate, that we're complete, that we're fully accepted by him. Even if the world doesn't accept you, even if your family doesn't accept you, even if maybe you go to church and you feel like the church doesn't accept you, your heavenly father does. And so it's from that place that you can actually begin to live your life. And so even in these moments, we've discussed the idea of guilt and the idea of anger. Guess what? 
guilt and anger no longer rule our lives because true healing comes when we, first of all, forgive ourselves, but we also learn how to forgive others. Amen? And so I want to really wrap this up today. If you want to title the message today as Intersections, Complete in Him. Say that with me. Complete in Him. This idea of being complete in him. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, really famous scripture, you probably know it by heart. He says, my God will supply all your needs. Say, all your needs. You know, my dad, he, he preached for years and he still itinerates and, and preaches. He would say, man, now this word all, in the Greek, it's really deep. It means all. He, he would say that and we'd all laugh. Eventually, we just laugh to make them feel good, probably. But, you know, it's true. It means all, everything. My God will supply all your needs according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Think about that. Not based on a world system or a religious system or what you feel you have access to or not. It's a supply to our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So years ago, um, I was young and, and, you know, I was really into the race cars. Anyone familiar with the race car sets, those slot car sets? In fact, we had a friend recently who, um, th they were cleaning out their basement and he was an avid collector of all these different slot car race sets. And he said, hey, you guys want one? And I was like, oh, my boys would love that. And so we got it. They loved us so much, we like went on Amazon and bought another set and we had jumps and all this cool stuff and we're just having a blast with it. But when I was young, I don't know if you realize this. Do you realize that it seemed like toys cost so much more back in the day? And so I really wanted a race car set. And I might have had one friend who had one. And I remember playing with it thinking, this is the coolest thing. I mean, you put it on this track with this slot and it just goes around and you race each other. And it was so much fun. But, you know, I grew up in a family. I, I wouldn't say we were maybe poor, but we were close. And so getting stuff like that was a stretch. I mean, going to Toys R Us... Does anyone remember Toys R Us? Is it even open anymore? I'm a Toys R Us kid. I don't want to. How's that go anyway? <laughs> so, you know, you'd have to go to Toys R Us or some toy shop. And, man, stuff was so expensive. These days you go to Walmart and it's like $9.99. When I was growing up, it was like 70 bucks, right? And so this one Christmas morning, I wake up. I run downstairs like we do, you know, every Christmas. We wake mom and dad up. We, we you know, get the, tr the presents out from under the tree. We start ripping and tearing and getting in everything. And we open everything. And I was happy. You know, I, I had spoils laying all around me. It was great. It was good. And my dad looks at me and he goes, oh, wait, son, I, is, is there something behind the tree? Now, come on, as parents, we do this stuff, right? Yeah. Is there something behind the tree? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what, what does this mean? Like, you know, you get all excited. And so I go, you know, because our, our tree was in a corner of the living room. And so you kind of go around and I saw this, this present back there. I'm like, oh man, what's this going to be? No thought about a, a race car set, right? But just something more. So I pull it out. I start ripping that open and I look and it's just this like plain cardboard box. I'm like, okay, this is crazy. Like there's no cool writing on it or anything. And so I open it up, and it's these pieces of a slot car race set. Now, as a kid, all I saw was slot car race set, right, this racetrack. And so I get this out, and I, I start, you know, get, putting it together. And, man, I had a blast just racing all day long on this thing. It was the coolest thing ever. Now, years, years later, I kind of look back at that, and I've never even really discussed this with, with my dad, but I, I was thinking, I, I bet you my dad found a used set somewhere. Because back then we would go to Salvation Army, right? And they would have like cool little toys. Everything was handmade out and used, you know, stuff, secondhand. But who cares? If, if it's something that works, it works. And so I think about that, that time with, with that Christmas morning. I think, man, my dad must have got a used set for me. But to me as a kid, I didn't care. I'm just playing with a set. It was brand new to me. And so I'm playing with this. But I say this because, you know, sometimes... We believe that our relationship with God is kind of like that racetrack that I got in a cardboard box on that Christmas morning. Like, you know, it's, we're really excited because we have this new life in Christ, but is it really new or is it maybe just some recycled version of ourselves? And so we can, you know, in life it's, 
I, I think the hardest thing is when you look at your life, especially if you're new in Christ or if you've dealt with maybe an addiction or a certain sin that just doesn't seem to want to let you go or maybe just a response. You're like, why do I always respond that way to that person or when I'm asked a certain question? And so we see those things and we start to think, well, I guess Jesus made me brand new, but maybe I still got some work to do to be fully new. You follow me? And so we struggle with this idea that maybe I'm just kind of recycled, rehashed. I'm trying to somehow work this out. It becomes about us having to do the steps to become something that, quite honestly, Jesus has already made you. Does this make sense? Paul says this in Colossians 2.10. He says, and in him, and in him, you have been made, what? Complete. Let me read this again. And in him, Jesus, right? You have been made what? Complete. And he is the head over every ruler and authority. In other words, Jesus is the head of it all. And he has made you new and complete. So will you believe it? See, for me, this life has become a journey of faith or belief. Do I truly believe what God, not, not just what he has done, but what he has said about me? Because we always have stories being told about ourselves to ourselves, right? Sometimes it's ourselves telling ourselves a story about who we truly are. But who does God say we are? In him, in Jesus, Paul says, we have been made complete. Now, if you're not familiar with this word complete, simple definition, it means having all parts or elements, lacking nothing, whole, entire, full. That's pretty cool. So literally Paul's saying, listen, in Jesus, you have been made lacking nothing, whole, entire, full. In fact, you have all the parts and elements you'd ever need. Now, without a show of hands, how many really feel like that all the time? So I get it. But the truth is we are complete in him. But we have to believe that. And, and I've, I've said this before, that you never walk in or benefit from anything unless you believe it. Right? Even when it comes to salvation, which by the way, salvation is not a one and done thing, a one time thing. I prayed a prayer, I'm going to heaven. Salvation, right? We know in the Greek means preservation, safety, healing, wholeness, um, deliverance. How many have areas of your life you're still needing some deliverance? and some healing and some wholeness. Doesn't mean he hasn't already provided, but you need to embrace it. You need to believe that that's how we walk in and benefit from what Jesus has accomplished. Now, sometimes the world gives us a different definition. Anyone seen the movie Jerry Maguire? Now listen, cool film, film, funny, makes you cry a little bit, laugh, get angry, all those good things that a good movie will do. But there's this really famous scene where Tom, I almost said Tom Selleck. Wow, I'm dating myself now. Tom Cruise is talking to Renee Zellweger and he says this, he says, I love you. You complete me. Come on, see, Jean just watched it last night, didn't she? I love you, you complete me. And then what did she say? Shut up, just shut up. You had me at hello. And everyone just cries and it's so beautiful and it's heartwarming and music's perfect, right? Music moves us. But if we were really honest, we know that that's just a movie script, right? And in the real world, it, more be, it might be more like, uh, you completely irritate me, right? <laughs> you completely let me down in this situation. Here's the truth. People don't complete people. Now hear me out this morning. People don't complete people. This doesn't mean that relationships aren't important. How many know they are? And that a person can't maybe help, you know, meet needs in your life, help you through certain things. But the ultimate fulfillment for life, at least I believe, is in Christ. It's this life in Christ, awakening this life that we have in Christ. It's our connection to the divine. I say it all the time. In him we live move and have our being. I, I love this, this, this uh, sermon that, that Paul preaches on Mars Hill. It's absolutely wonderful. Two Greek people, by the way, trying to introduce them to this God that they had no name for. He's like, oh, that's the true God. In him we live, move, and have our being. And then he begins to quote Greek poets. 
right? So, so that, that, that just could maybe make some people go tell, like, why didn't he preach scripture verses? Because he was utilizing whatever he had at the moment to try to captivate people, to hear the gospel, to receive the gospel. Come on, that's what God does. Isn't that beautiful? There you go. And so people don't complete people. I mean, think about this. A spouse will eventually let you down. Just ask my wife. It happens, right? We've been studying not just personalities, but Enneagrams and understanding like, oh, that's why we're different, you know? And it's good things to do because it's good to say, okay, that's how they tick. Oh, that's how they tick. We begin to learn those things. But how many know at some point you're going to let each other down? Listen, a friend will eventually fall short of your expectations. That's why you're let down in the first place. We put expectations on people. I need you to fulfill this in my life. Uh, I think you're going to you know, dot the I's and cross the T's for that in my life. And then when they don't, we get hurt because we get let down. That's because people don't complete people. Certainly we have relationship, and I believe we can together help each other, you know, strength with strength, you know, versus weakness and weakness. I get all that. But the truth is people don't complete people. Why? They fail because they're only human. We all fail. It happens in life. So people fail us and then we become hurt. We become disillusioned. We become disappointed. And we end up at this point of hurt because we're looking to people for more than they could ever give us. You follow me this morning? The only way our interpersonal relationships can really work is when each person is getting their wholeness, their fullness from Jesus Christ. It's really in him we live, move, and have our being. Otherwise, what we do is we simply suck the life out of other people until there's nothing left to give. And I know you went, I know that person. (laughs) But obviously that person's hurting. They're looking for someone else to complete them. And it doesn't work that way. I've been that person at times in my life where probably like, wow, this guy is sucking all the life out of me right now. But it's because I didn't know who I was. I was trying to be complete through someone else. So if you're looking for a spouse to complete you, it's probably not going to happen. If you're looking for a friendship to complete you, it's probably not going to happen. You know, the best scenario is when you begin to understand who you truly are, you become whole and you become complete in yourself. Imagine a marriage or a relationship where two whole people come together. Now we're talking, right? That's beautiful. So the point again is that people don't complete people. Look back here at Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So to me, we need to have this dramatic paradigm shift to start getting our needs met from Christ who, by the way, lives within us. In him we live, move, and have our being. I'm going to say it a lot today. Because I want you to understand that the divine, that God, Father, Holy Spirit, Son, they're not somewhere far away. They're here with you. And so when we awaken to that relationship, we begin to go, oh, okay, so I don't need people to complete me. We do need people. Does that make sense? I just talked today about relationship building and, and having different, creating different atmospheres for that. So we definitely need people. But listen, if you're relying on a person to complete you, you're going to be disappointed. You will become disillusioned. You will become hurt. And so we have to see that. I love this in the Mirror Bible. This translation is awesome. It says, My God shall also abundantly fill every nook and cranny to overflowing in all areas of your life. Look at this. The wealth of his dream come true in Christ Jesus measures his generosity towards you. Isn't that beautiful? So if we're looking for a completion in life, It comes from this connection with the divine. But think about this. We have plugs all around this building, right? You have plugs in your house. How many know, as long as you're paying the bills, there's a power source there all the time. But how many know that, like, if if my computer is going going dead, and I just really am like, man, I really hope that power gets here somehow. Come on, power, come on. It's not going to work. There's a connection, right? I have to make a connection. So it's the same thing in our life. I mean, to me, you know, I used to look at, at people as, yes, lost, but I used to feel like, like 
they just, they just need to get better and they just need to somehow, you know, pray the prayer and be okay and be in Christ. But what I realize is that they just need to be connected to the source. They don't know who they are. That's why Paul, the apostle Paul, he uses this orphan language all the time. I mean, how many know what an orphan is? They don't know who their family is. So really the gospel is not as hard as you think. It's introducing people to who they truly are. It's like, God has made this way, you're in a family, but you don't even know it. Like he's completely laid out the plan, there it is. What do you do? By faith you receive it. Because some people are like, no, that can't be true. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my life. You don't know what I've done. None of that matters though, as far as God's concerned. Plug into the power source. Get that power source running through you, and then you begin to say, wow, I'm part of the family. This is who I truly am. Isn't that awesome? The wealth of his dream come true in Christ Jesus measures his generosity towards you. This is the plain truth concerning true fulfillment in our life. God is the only person who can ever complete us. When we realize this, then we begin to go to the source of our life and we begin to tap into that. That's what begins to change us from the inside out. I mean, think about this. Who ever told us to look to those around us or to even you know, external things to get our needs met. I mean, from the very beginning, we were created and intended to draw life from God who is our source. I mean, that, as human beings, that, that is our source. That's what we're intended to do. But you think about this, this idea was first introduced in the creation story. How many remember the creation story? It's a beautiful story that the Hebrews wrote, trying to figure out, okay, what is life all about? What is the meaning of life? And so we see human beings who, who just said, you know what? I think that God's holding out on me, or I think that I can somehow do more without God. And so we stepped outside of that relationship with God and tried to do more. One of the most beautiful things to me in the story is that even when humanity decided to step outside that, God pursued them. He didn't leave. He didn't forsake. He promised he'd never leave us or forsake us. In fact, he didn't just pursue them. Get this. What does it say in the story? It says that they clothed themselves with fig leaves, right? So there was shame. There was this, this chasm that they had, had drawn between them and God, right? Paul says that we're enemies of God in our minds. So to them, they had gone so far off the reservation, there's, there's no way God can be with us. What does God do? He pursues, he comes to them, and this is really wild to me because, again, you have to understand covenant language, understand Old Testament theology, and, and even cultures of the time, sacrifice and what that meant. So God offers the first sacrifice. He kills an animal, and what does he do with the skin? He clothes their shame. He covers their shame. Not so he could be okay. It wasn't like, put this on, I can't look at you. It was so they could be, you're still okay with us. He's like, absolutely. I'll never leave you and never forsake you. To me, there's such beauty in that story. But what happened is we still didn't believe God and we still went further and further from the garden, right? And I believe that if you look all through scripture, God's trying to turn us around and head back to the garden, this idea of life. In fact, when you look at uh, Jesus in the resurrection, it's so crazy. One of the gospel accounts says that when Mary saw him, she had mistaken him for the gardener. Interesting. Now, any Jew who was reading this story would go, gardener, garden, garden story. I mean, like they would go all the way back to the garden story and they would go, wait a minute, there's something new here. Yeah, Jesus was saying, this is a brand new garden. This is a brand new creation that's bursting forth and you can participate in that. Isn't that beautiful? But that's what God's always been trying to do. Get us back to the garden life. It's life plugging into him as the source, realizing that our being complete and whole and full is it only happens in him. I think that's awesome. So when we have this idea that God wasn't enough, the biggest problem with this is that we live a life of self-effort. A life where we feel like we somehow have to dot the I's, cross the T's, go through the hoops and jump the hurdles in order to be complete and okay. When actually this is a life that's been fully extended freely to you and all you have to do is say, okay. Now, let me ask you this. 
Is there anyone here who believed on Christ, believed in this life, stepped into it, and everything became perfect? It was like, ah, I wish I had a choir sound effect right now, right? Like everything was perfect. Of course not. That's why the apostles tell us, you know, to those being saved, right? To work out your salvation, because salvation isn't a one and done thing. It's like, I need deliverance, safety, healing, preservation, restoration. I need these things in my life. And then as you go through, you know, you're working in little facets of your life. You're like, wow, this is really cool. I mean, it's like, this is becoming healed. I'm being delivered in this area. And then you're like, oh, there's another area. Need some healing again. And it's this process of life. So, you know, sometimes just relax. It's a journey. You're being saved. Your salvation, sozo, soteria, it's coming into your, you know, different facets of your life at different times. Because sometimes it just can't be a one and done all at once thing. Because some of us have really deep issues, me included. But it's up to us to go, by faith, I open myself up to receive what you have for me. I, I freely give myself to you. I want to be the best version of myself. I want my life to tell the story that you tell about me. Does that make sense? And so sometimes we get in this life of self-effort and, you know, we're always looking for something to do, do, do. And we might be so preoccupied and consumed with working for God, get this, that we fail to see that he is working in us. That doesn't mean there's nothing to do. Listen, we all have work, we have kingdom work to do. Can I get an amen? Sometimes we think that that's somehow what you're doing is getting God to love you more, bless you more, show you more grace. Uh Uh-uh. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. But sometimes we get so preoccupied with the doing, come on, I've been there, that we forget to even notice. We don't even see that he's working in us. And let me dismantle an old saying. Has anyone heard this? God won't give you more than you can handle. You know, God will never give you anything that you can't handle. Well, first of all, God doesn't give bad things. Now, maybe you have a different theology. We can argue and still be friends at the end and agree to disagree. But I believe that that God is just like Jesus. And when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus never gave anyone sickness to then heal them once they learned their lesson. I mean, that's, I just don't see it. Okay. I'm not trying to be sarcastic or or condescending. I'm just saying I I see God through the lens of Jesus. So God doesn't give bad things. And if we're true, then we either attribute these bad things to God or something we've done wrong or not good enough, right? Number three, this isn't scriptural. So so we have to see that this whole day, he'll never give you anything you can. Well, first of all, life just hands you stuff sometimes that's just crap. It's not good. And it's not God doing it. But God is the one there with the answer to that situation. He's the one who's trying to work through you and work in and through you to help you through those situations, even though they come, right? Jesus told us, in this world, you will have trouble. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate that. I was hoping for pray the prayer and it was all perfect. But he's saying, no, you're going to have trouble. I mean, I've said it before. Peter tells us not to be surprised by the fiery ordeal that comes upon you. I mean, stuff still happens, right? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, we don't want you in the dark, friends, about how hard it was when all this came down on us in Asia province. Now, this is Paul writing a letter, right, to the Corinthians, saying that, guys, don't be surprised. This is an issue I'm going through. But how many know we can go through issues? Look at this. It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. Anyone ever been there? I have. So I can relate, Paul. So tell me more. He says, we felt like we'd been sent to death row. He said, we felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. But look at this. As it turns out, it was the best thing that could happen. Okay, wait, Paul, what are you talking about? Look what he says. Instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Now stop for a second. Because some people translate that, wow, so God was was he put Paul through that so then Paul would totally trust him. No, the, situ- the situation wasn't God. It was people threatening their lives because they were preaching this new gospel, right? Or I would say the gospel, right? Which wasn't, when you die, you're going to go to heaven, so pray this prayer. It was actually, 
It was a gospel saying there's a new Caesar and there's a new king and there's a new kingdom. You follow this? People weren't martyred because they were talking about afterlife. I'm just being honest with you. They were threatening religious and, and government systems and religion and government systems don't like it when you threaten them. Okay? But look at this. He says, instead of trusting in our own strength or wits to get us out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. I love this. Not a bad idea since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. Rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Isn't that encouraging? So when you feel like you're at the end, when you feel like there's no way out, in those times, it may force us to say, okay, God, I have no other means to, to fix this. I have no other ideas. I'm out of thoughts for this. I'm going to choose to trust you in this situation. That's what Paul's saying. And so maybe today you're in one of those positions. Even when it comes to you, you seeing yourself as complete in him and struggling in that, going, you know what? I have to trust you. I have to trust your story. I'm going to put all my trust in you in this situation. So next time you encounter a circumstance that you can't seem to handle, what if rather than trying to handle it, you actually admit that you can't handle it? Let me say this. That's not lack of faith. Because it takes faith to admit, I can't handle this. I need to trust in you. What if instead of pretending it isn't happening or looking to distractions to take its place, you ask God to be your strength, your comfort, your inspiration in the midst of all the adversity that's happening to you or around you? What would happen in those moments? We begin to see that we're only complete in him. I love this quote by Dr. Andrew Farley. He says, real peace is experienced not with the arrival of new circumstances, but with the arrival of new covenant thinking, even when old circumstances remain. Now you think, well, okay, what, what, what do you mean covenant? Well, first of all, I believe that God spells healing, C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T, covenant. Now covenant can sound like a big word, but really it means agreement. Now, you have to understand that when we read scripture, how many know that it's an ancient book? I mean, the writings can go back thousands of years, and there's such beauty in it when you start to see this progression of how people saw God and how it finally came to this, this fullness in Christ. But they use this covenant language, this, this agreement, and it's because that's what they knew. And so in cultures, in, in ancient cultures, they would have covenants. So let's say you had one kingdom that was really good at growing crops and they had great land and you had another kingdom who had a strong army. You would, you would come together in covenant and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. You guys are really good at what you do, so you're going to give us some of that supply. But what we're going to do because we have a strong army is we're going to help protect you. See how that works? These are covenants. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this, but how many are familiar with Mount Sinai? the giving of the Ten Commandments. Sometimes what we miss is that God had always wanted to be in covenant with people, right, from the very beginning. And so God actually calls the entire nation of Israel to Mount Sinai to initiate a covenant with them. Well, if you're not familiar with the story, Israel gets scared and they run away. And they say, Mo Moses, you handle it. And then we get the Ten Commandments. We get the Old Covenant. You heard Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. But what's interesting in this is there's, I don't want to get into the deep details of it, but there's different types of covenants. And so the covenant that God struck with Israel was a covenant where, okay, you give a little and I give a lot. You give a little, I give a lot. But the covenant we have with Christ is I give everything, all you do is say yes. You see the difference? I believe that God at Mount Sinai was trying to actually give the same covenant, but the people were scared and ran away. I mean, first of all, you understand, I mean, from the story, they were slaves. They had a different mentality. They, they were afraid. But I believe at that time that they call it a grant covenant where one side says, here's everything I have and am, have it all. And you're like, hey, what do we do? 
just receive it. Isn't that cool? And so that's the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus, where Jesus said, listen, I've done, I've obtained everything for you. It's a done deal. Will you just say yes? That's not threatening at all, is it? Why does the gospel have to be threatening? Why do we have to get bullhorns and and tell people the bad news before we give them the good news? I kind of often wonder that. What I found in my life is just befriending people and sharing good news, get some to ask questions, and then eventually they're like, I'm really interested in this good news. Well, of course you are. Because I didn't have to tell you how horrible you were before you could receive something, right? I think that's kind of cool. So God spells healing covenant. So think about this. God's new covenant message of forgiveness, right? Freedom in this new identity is the only way for us to experience genuine healing on our lives. The only way for us to see that we are truly complete in Christ. Our thinking needs this reliable source, right? It needs this rock solid foundation. The truths of God's new covenant are that foundation. Jesus himself is that foundation. That's why we find complete wholeness in Christ. Jesus said this in John 8, 36. He said, so if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I was reading through this this morning and I thought to myself, isn't it wild that you can, you can read things sometimes and, and just in the way that you, what would it be, the... Um, what is it? when you do a certain cadence or whatever to it and you say it in a certain way, it can have a whole new meaning. So sometimes you can look at this and go, so if the son makes you free, if he chooses to make you free, then you're free indeed. But what if the whole conversation before that was saying you are, so if you are, then you are free indeed. See the difference in that? Because if Jesus already did it, it's done. What do we do? We believe it. We receive it. We confess, the Bible says. What is confession? We just learned this a couple weeks ago. It's being in agreement with. It's saying the same thing as. So in your life, if you feel incomplete, you go, oh, God, you say, you know what, God, I'm going to agree with you. I am complete. I am whole. I am adequate. I do measure up. I am a forgiver. I can forgive because it's not a feeling. Come on. Because we can agree with God on what he says. That's what confession is. See, knowing the truth that Jesus has set us free makes all the difference in how we approach this life. So the truth about new covenant makes all the difference. Think about this. Here's a couple questions for you. Are we partially forgiven or completely forgiven? Now, if you've gone here for a amount of time, I mean, look at Paul. He's like completely, like it was like just second nature, right? Completely but you know that there would be some brothers and sisters who would go, well, it all depends. On what? On me. Wait, so your forgiveness depends on you? Wow, that's tough, man. So you're the savior of your life. See how we can do that? Now, I say this to you because most of you know, no, I'm completely forgiven in Christ. It's a done deal. But, but literally there are people and my heart breaks for them that they go through life always thinking they, they can't measure up, they're not good enough because I don't know, I'm not completely forgiven. I've got to say the prayers, I, I've got to do the right things, I've got to make sure I'm super sorry and all that. And, and I get that. We've talked about this even a few weeks ago that you know just because you're completely forgiven isn't a license to sin. That's not grace anyway. Grace empowers you to make right decisions. Come on. But when you realize you're completely forgiven, you're more open to receive what God has already given you because you're like, I do qualify. He qualified me. I'm already qualified. Well, I had a bad night last night. You're already qualified. So you can have some godly remorse say, sorry, that's not how I'm built. But listen, his blessings are dependent on if you're good enough or not. If that's the case, we're all done. We're all toast, right? Here's another question. Do we live by grace alone or grace and law? Some people go, well, you know, you know, I I live by both. Well, new covenant is grace alone. The only law that you've been given has been written on your heart. It's the royal law of love. Come on, somebody. See, when, I know, I like to mess a little bit. 
But the reason I like the mass is because I want us to, to see knowing the truth will set you free. There's too many brothers and sisters in Christ who just run around life thinking they don't measure up, they're not good enough, God would never do that for me. But the truth is he already has. So receive it. Embrace it. Be who he's made you to be. Listen, I'm not antinomian. I'm not against the law. The law had a purpose. It had a time. But if you even look at the law, it's all summed up in love. Right? I mean, the first portion basically is saying, you know, th this is who God is. This is how, how we have relationship with him. But then the rest of it is just, so this is what life looks like when you're living from the source. It's not you better or else. No, I get, I, I get what we hear. And, and by the time Jesus came along, there was like six, 613 rules and regulations. There ended up being like 1,100 and some different like regulations, policies, different things for people. Why? Well, because someone said, well, if, we, if we're supposed to do this according to the law, why don't we add this to it? and make it a little bit easier for us. Easier? You just added more to it. But then to make sure we do that right, let's add a little bit more to that. Do you realize something? And I'm just going to mess a little more. Do you realize that, that Jesus, listen to me, Jesus never broke the Ten Commandments, but he did break the religious laws. It's, it's wild. I probably shared this story before, but do uh, you remember when people would gather around the, the pool and they said the angels would stir it and if you got in it, if, the, if you were the one person who got in there, then, then you'd be healed. And so, you know, I mean, the guy with the ingrown toenail probably could get there. Well, maybe not because he was limping around, but maybe, you know, the guy with the hangnail would get there first. But who did Jesus go to? The lame man who couldn't even get there. He had to have someone help. And what did Jesus do? He says, he says he wants to be healed. He goes, well, rise up. He says, you know, sins are forgiven you. Rise up and walk. And then what does he end up saying at the very end? I mean, because at that end, I'm like, he's healed. He's good. He says, go ahead and take up your bed now and carry it. And then it goes on. The writer goes on to tell us that it was a Sabbath. Now, in the old covenant, there was a dude who got stoned to death for gathering sticks on the Sabbath for a fire. Yeah, see what those rules and regulations can do to you? They can kill you, literally. So Jesus was defying the system by saying, I'm healing you, but then, hey, uh, Pharisees are over there, they're watching. Pick up your bed and carry it. Jesus was messing. And the Pharisees, their response wasn't, they, I mean, when, when, when the guy walked up by him, you would think they'd be like, dude, this is all, I mean, look at you all walking and stuff. This is great. They said, why are you carrying that on the Sabbath? They disregarded the healing to go to the rules and regulations and laws. Can you see why Jesus would mess? There's so many instances of this. So we live by grace alone. Here's another one. Are we really new creations with clean hearts? Or are we half new and half old? I've heard great intentioned preachers who love Jesus. I'm telling you, I know they love Jesus but they will go to the Old Testament and they will say that you have a wicked heart. That hurts even doing that. Sorry, I didn't mean to point at you like that. And so we walk around thinking, well, it's kind of a new heart. I mean, how about this whole debate? You're in Adam. You pray the prayer, you're in Christ, right? How many have heard this, right? We heard this whole nature thing. But you tell me that once you're in Christ, that his sacrifice was less powerful than Adam's sin. So your heart isn't completely new. It's kind of there. And if you work really hard, then one day, maybe. So, so first Adam is more powerful than last Adam. Right? Because Jesus is called last Adam. End of it all. I'm just kind of trying to think this thing through. So we're really new creations. Yes, we are. Say this with me. I'm a new creation. That's who I am. Wasn't that an old like, song we used to sing? I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I'm not going to lead worship ever. Dear God, leave me on the base. But think about this. We are forgiven no matter what. It's a done deal. You're going to mess up. You're going to sin. You're going to fall. You're going to fail. What do you do? 
God, I'm sorry, that's not who I am. I'm built different than that. I gave in thinking the grass is green on the other side, but it's just astroturf. It's not the real deal. This is who I am. It's coming back to the reality of who you are. We are forgiven no matter what. We're now designed for God's system of grace, not law. Listen, we're new creations, each one of us with a new heart, a new spirit. And listen, God's spirit is living within us. Let me say it like this. God doesn't live in dirty spaces and places. He's in you. So you don't have a wicked, evil, dirty heart. You have a clean heart. But sometimes this thing up here, the mind has got to be renewed to understand what's truly going on in here. Does that make sense? So there's definitely a thought process to change. Whenever we fall into that sin or that addiction or the thing that just seems to just keep just getting at us, it's all here. It's not here. So it's getting the truth of what's here in our heart here to our minds. Sometimes we're like, I just really got to get my thoughts down into my heart. We got it backwards. It's getting your heart into your thoughts. Does that make sense? I got like two hours today because there was no worship. So we'll keep going. I'm I'm just kidding. (laughs) So we have a new spirit and God's spirit lives within us. You see, it's these powerful truths that we need to use as our filter for every thought we might entertain. That God's goodness shines so much brighter than what those thoughts may tell us about ourselves. Think about this, Ephesians 1.3, the Father has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Hebrews 2.11, the Son is not ashamed to call you brother or sister. Romans 8.16, the Spirit testifies that you are born of Him. The entire Trinity is pleased to have you. And you are complete in him. You are deeply loved. You are completely forgiven. And guess what? You are never, ever alone. So even if everyone else walks away from you in life, you are never, ever alone. You know what's beautiful about the creation story? Is it wasn't just some big God up in the sky commanding things to happen and just creating, just to create. It was Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It was a God who is already in loving relationship, creating you within, right in the middle of that loving relationship to continue to pass it on. Isn't that beautiful? I want to end with this in Romans 2.4. Listen to this out of the message. It says, in kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Think about this. Will you allow your heavenly father to take you firmly by the hand? Will you allow him to lead you into this radical life change? To complete you, to be your supply for everything, to be the healer of your hurts, to be your life? It's a big question to answer. For me, I say yes. I may not always get it right, but I say yes to this. Heavenly Father, take me by the hand. Lead me into this radical life change because only you can complete me. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful opportunity to be together both here and online, to look into the scripture, to I believe, hear truth, but begin to know truth, the truth that sets us free. And we know, Jesus, you even said that if you set us free, we are free indeed. There's no questions, there's no buts about it. We are free. I pray for those who maybe are struggling to see this completeness and this wholeness that you've given them as a free gift that they would begin to see that it's not up to them to you know, jump the hurdles, to get through the hoops, to do everything right, to access this. It's simply faith. It's belief. It's saying, God, you've already provided this. The completion that I need for my life is already there, but I choose today to embrace that, to lay hold of that, to receive that. That word receive in the Greek means to take. It's like on Christmas morning when I hand a present to my child, they have to receive it to benefit from it. And I want them to take it. Take it, unwrap it, rip it open. Be excited about it. Heavenly Father, I see your gifts as the same. 
where you're saying, here it is, it's free, and you're giddy, you're ecstatic, you're, you're excited for us to unwrap these gifts and to benefit from them, to embrace them, to utilize them. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Holy Spirit, if there's anything that I'm believing about myself or you that's a lie, show that to me. Let your light show those areas where I'm believing things that are wrong. In Jesus, you are my healer. I give you permission by an act of my will to come into those areas and to bring healing, to bring, bring truth. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're there to remind me every day, every hour, every minute, who I am and whose I am. Say this with me, I am complete in Christ. Say it again, I am complete in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You received that this morning? You are complete in him. It's just like so cool. Like I get so excited sharing this stuff. Listen, I preach myself happy sometimes because we all, we all need to hear the truth of who we are. Come on, just because I have this title pastor by my name doesn't mean that I literally woke up this morning, I'll be honest with you, I had a really long, long day yesterday and I was really tired. And honestly, I was like, and then you think about, because I love, I love song, I love, I'm a musician, right? And so it, for just a split second, I'm like, I don't even want to go today. I said that in my head, not out loud. But it's things like this, reminders like this that help me go, you know what, this was worth it seeing who I am, seeing whose I am. I hope you feel the same way. We love you guys so much. So with that, we're praying for you guys. We love you guys so much. You guys online, thanks for joining. And we'll see you again next week, 10 a.m. Have an awesome week. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.